Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and questions from all around the country. Uh, We now are heard on four radio stations uh, here on Grace FM in the east on the east coast on Hope FM and just recently added Truth FM Tennessee North Carolina Kentucky uh, so call us give us a call 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 is the number of course this is the show where we take your calls and we pray together Uh, We open the Bible together. Uh, We talk about uh, biblical topics together. We process them uh, out loud, uh, if you will, and just kind of walking through different scenarios of what the Bible has to say about matters. And this is a live program on Grace FM. So if you're listening on Grace FM right now and it's not mentioned uh, that it is an archive or um, an encore presentation, then you're listening live, uh, which is most of the time. And if you are listening on Hope FM or on Truth FM, then, of course, you're hearing it one week later. Um, But you can call, and we will answer your call live. You just won't hear it until uh, next week. 303-690-3000. We also have a dedicated texting line. It is for texting only. And that's 720-336-0897. And that's texting. Dedicated texting line. We'll give that, um, we'll definitely give that number over and over again. Um, but for now, give me a call. I know on, on Thursdays, uh, the calls are a little bit slower uh, getting going, but that's okay. Uh, I had a great, glorious time last night with our water baptism. It was our first water baptism of the year, and it was a great timing. Uh, I don't know that we necessarily did this on purpose. Um, I just know it was a scheduling uh, conflict and things on our calendar, but it was the first baptism after uh, Easter services, and it was a glorious night. Uh, So much going on, and so many um, dedicating their lives uh, in obedience to the command to be water baptized and and we share the responsibilities at our water baptisms uh, from time to time with different guys on on our pastoral team and last night Everett um, did a great job uh, sharing the gospel and sharing insight on water baptism and I saw at least three from where I was sitting because I wasn't on the stage so it's hard to see but at least three people respond to the gospel and get baptized right then and there. Like they get to, the way it works with us at Calvary is when the gospel is preached and someone responds, they always get to the front of the line. And 
they get baptized straight up in their clothing. That's how they came to church. And they might even been how they went to work. And that's how it starts. It was glorious. And so we were baptizing maybe, we have three baptismals, and we were baptized for about an hour and 10 minutes or so. It was glorious, beautiful. So anyway, while I'm talking, the phones are ringing, so that's a good thing. Deborah is calling from Arvada, Colorado. Deborah, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. Uh, okay, so uh, my question to you is, um, I raised two of my granddaughters their whole life. Uh, since they were okay. babies, they both, uh, one of them graduated last year and one's graduating this year, and both of them have chosen to become lesbians. So okay. my my second granddaughter that's graduating this year is the the one that dresses like a boy. I mean, she's all out, like completely out of it. Okay. Like, all right. So my, I told her that uh, she knows how I, you know, she knows how we stand as far as being Christians. They were raised in the church. And I okay. told her that I was going to do everything I could for her as far as her graduation, but I wasn't Great. going to pay for her graduation pictures because okay. it just don't feel right in my heart to do that. And I love these girls with all my heart. I, I love them, period. But this is kind of going way over what I can do. Okay. And I don't and know if which... I'm right. Well, let's ask a few questions and see if we can't come to a conclusion. Um, okay. Do you do you love your granddaughters? With all my heart. Do you want to express that love to them? I do. Would withholding money for their only senior pictures and the, their entire life express love to them? I think so. I mean, I've given them everything, and I'm still giving to them. I haven't changed in any way other than the fact that I feel like taking the picture is kind of a stamp of approval of where she's at right now. And I just, in my heart and in my spirit, I feel like that is like the total compromise and, I, and I'm and i struggling with it. Well, I, I suspect that, that the message you're trying to send isn't going to be sent by withholding money for, for her you know, you're paying, you probably buy the clothes that she's wearing, um, the food that she's eating, the transportation to and from the school, uh, and and just punitively not buying her pictures. Like, like we, we need to, I'm not in your shoes, so my, my advice is in a broader sense because this is a very difficult season and a difficult world that we're living yeah. in right now. And and it sounds like that your granddaughters are caught up in the culture right now. They're caught up in the the reality of, of these things and and confused about their sexuality and confused about the the sense of who they are and who they want to identify with and all of that stuff. It's just a product of our culture. And, and as you're assessing your ability to love them um, and your willingness to love them and how you want to draw the lines, I... I mean, I can't talk you out of drawing the lines, but I would, I would really, I think they, I think that the one that you or either one of them that, that you're going to withhold senior pictures from, I'm pretty yeah. sure they know you don't approve. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure that that's been communicated over and over again in their lives. And, and so 
just just assess. I mean, if that's if that's the decision you're going to make, um, just understand that every decision comes with consequences, and and so remember that one day they might even look back on these senior pictures and say, you know, Grandma was so against me. They, they she really didn't like what I was into in my high school years, um, but but she she paid for my pictures. She she loved me unconditionally, and and I look back on those days and I regret them, and. You know, you you just assess the bigger picture here because I know that there's a frustration level that you're feeling. I know that, yeah. as you said, you've got the feelings that are flowing, and and so in in relationship building with with your granddaughters that that you have been having, you know, since you raised them, and now with these challenging things in school, yeah, if you draw the line there, then then that's where you're going to have to draw the line. I I just know that as we make decisions. Um, we don't want to lose relationships over principle because I think you already know the principle. I I don't, I I don't think for a moment whatsoever that they don't understand it's wrong, that they don't understand it's unbiblical, that they don't understand it's not the way they were raised and they don't understand that grandma doesn't approve. I am, I haven't even talked to them yet, but I'm sure that they believe that. And, and, and so you just have to, you, you have to look at the message that you're sending and does it really match the goal that you're shooting for? And the goal that you're shooting for is to win them over in love, because the culture's already won them over with, um, with with uh, they've won them over with this message of ease. Don't listen to your grandma. Don't listen to the Bible. It's all outdated. You can be who you are. So the culture's won them over. And the only strong, the, the only to me the the strongest sense uh, that overcomes culture is the agape love of God. Okay, so then let me ask you this question, too, okay, because this is now my other granddaughter, the oldest one that just moved out, and I told her, I said, you know, she moved in with a girl. I said, okay, fine. I said, uh, you know how I feel about it? I said, if you need money for rent, don't ask me. If you need food, don't come and ask me. You have a home. You can come home anytime you want. You have a room. Your room's still here. If you're hungry, come home and I'll feed you, but I'm not going to give her any money to help her live in that lifestyle. Okay. Then don't. So, I know. I know. I, I, here's I, the I'm thing. Torn. I am torn. I, I, know. I don't know that, where that's, to go. I mean, I, that's, that's the thing. That's what I hear in your voice. I mean, I, I think your, your love for them, every, you know, back in the day, we used to call it tough love. And, yeah. um, and every parent, and in your place, a grandparent playing the role of a parent has to make this hard decision and then live with the consequences and yeah. and live with the benefits. And you know this isn't how you raise them and, and you know that this isn't the desire of your heart. It's not it's not living up to um it's not living up to the standard and, and what you expected. And it's painful and it's confusing yeah. and it's hurtful. And and just remember their primary, the primary decisions that they're making right now are sinful toward God first, and it may come out personal toward you, or it. But but their wrestling and their rebellion is toward God first, and even Jesus was merciful and compassionate to rebellious sinners like you and me. That right. you know, I don't know your life story, but for so much of my life, I was rebellious against God, and even as a believer, I have my moments of rebellion and resistance and. And so I, I, my heart goes out to you as you have to draw these lines. And, and I would just say draw them. But, but as you do, stay sensitive like you are. Because it may yeah. be that you, you bless 
that the, the second scenario you gave, it may just be that the Lord puts on your heart to give them money for rent one day. It just may be. And, it, and without yeah. losing your convictions, you won't lose your convictions by demonstrating love. You know, for example, if let me let me let me cite an easier example. Uh, we we give money. We prompted by the Holy Spirit out of love to give money to a homeless person and they buy alcohol with it. Well, right. that doesn't change. That doesn't change why we gave them the money. We didn't give them the money to get drunk. We gave them the money to prompt as an action of love. And and I just know as the, the older I get, um, the more focused on r- representing the love of God without losing my convictions. I have biblical, strong convictions, um, but I know that in order to present the gospel, love always greases, the you know, uh, lubricates the weight of the heart. Okay. And and you because of their decisions too, um, just one more thought, and and I'll pray for you in the decision you make. But in the decisions they make, they're removing themselves from sources of love. They're rem- they're they're right. exchanging true love for false love, and they'll find right. that out soon enough. Um, that that will be um, that will be a revelation to them soon enough. Each one of them. Um, let's let's keep intact. The, the one source of real demonstrative love um, in their grandmother that, you know, I saw my parents, um, I, I remember wrestling with my parents, um, uh, being so generous and loving to some rebellious family members. Um, I just used to frustrate me because they would go way farther in love and help than I did. And yeah. now I look back and I see some of the fruit of that. And they... Even if I disagreed with them, they were still very generous and loving, and and some of it paid off. Not all of it, but they didn't do it for the for that. They did it because that right. was the motive of their heart. Right. Okay. Well, thank so, you so much for listening. You're welcome. Can I pray for you? Sure, please. Father, I lift up my friend Deborah here, as and I can think of a few other parents uh, in um, in my mind that are in similar situations and. These sinful decisions are causing great con- um, conflict in decision-making, God. I pray for these young girls. Um, I pray for a, a young man. I, I pray for another young girl that I can think of that is just in torment and conflicted. Um, and, and it may not even be this kind of sin, Lord. It's just this, this um, culture that we're in of rebellion, this culture of do your own thing and um, don't worry about the the, the established uh, mores of society or the established direction. As a matter of fact, go against it, um, yeah. and it's it's causing great turmoil and heartache uh, in women and men like Deborah. And so I just pray you'd give her wisdom as she chooses where to take a stand. Uh, that you'd give her strength once and resolve to take that stand, and also that she'd be open to maybe take a different stand in another decision or. Maybe to be generous when it was expected that she would be not generous, or you know, as as they're trying to figure her out, they're having a hard time because she reflects your love. And so bless her and help her, Lord, in this conflict. In Jesus' name, Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You're welcome, Deborah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Taking your calls. And your questions. Let's go to line three and let's talk to uh, Bianca. Bianca, welcome to the program. How are 
you doing, Pestrid? I'm I'm doing good. How are you? Just a bit heartbroken, which is the nature of my prayer request, because as I've just been on social media these pa- this past week, you know, I mean, it's just been really hard and. Even though I'm not going through the same situations that some of these people are, I mean, my heart is just broken, and I really wish I could help them somehow. Yes. And I was wondering if I could just say a prayer for them, and maybe you can finish it up. Okay, would you do me a favor and not use any names? No, I'm not going to say names. Okay, thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for these people, Lord. You know who they are, Lord. And I just pray that you comfort them in this situation, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but I don't need to know because you know all things, Lord. And I just pray that whatever's behind this situation, that you just make things right, Lord. And if you have to convict some of these people of something they're doing wrong, Lord, I just ask that that you just be with them, Lord, because they're your people, and my heart really breaks for them, Lord, and I don't like to see them suffer like that, Lord, and I just pray that you just do whatever it is you need to do with these people. If you're teaching them a lesson in this, Lord, I just pray that they would be able to learn it, but I just pray that you please comfort them in Jesus' name. And yes, Lord, you know the the great um, challenge uh, that's possessed, I'm pretty sure, uh, I know what Bianca, what the heaviness that Bianca is feeling and why. And, and so I just pray that you would uh, do what's necessary to bring resolution and reconciliation. Uh, God, that you would have your way to um, bring about your, your heart and your mind. And, and so we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so lot. I hope okay. there's a praise report soon. <laughs> Thank you. That's what we're praying for. Thanks. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, I just want to mention before we go to the next call, Lois, uh, you called in going through the same thing as Deborah and fully support her decision. So thanks, Lois, for giving uh, Deborah your your input and glad that you are able to support her fully in her decision. 303-690-3000. Line two is Stephen in Aurora. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes. And to yeah, the last caller, um, Bianca, we're praying with you. And um, I just, I love hearing when Bianca calls in, just her heart for 
the lost and people, and I just, I just love that woman's heart. So, Bianca, we're praying for you, and uh, we love you. So, um, yes, just thank you. Just want to encourage her. Yeah. And um, so, Pastor Ed, I had a couple questions, and if I got a couple minutes, uh, the first one, you know, Easter just passed and everything, and uh, my wife kind of started kind of talking about Good Friday, and she's like, well, if Good Friday was on Friday, is it, what, three days later, some commentaries will say that Jesus rose, and I told her, no, I think it's the third day, and that was my conclusion, is Jesus, he died on Friday, Good Friday, and he was buried uh, before the Sabbath. Um, that's one day, and then Saturday, and then Sunday being the third day. But is that kind of accurate? Or Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say specifically what day um, Jesus was crucified. So throughout history, there have been many that have um, tried to synthesize and put together what they think. You know, and there's different theories. Friday's one of them. There's actually theories of Thursday, uh, and there's even a Wednesday um, there's even a Wednesday theory, but one of the things that we need to remember is that when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, referring to Jonah three days and three nights, uh, the Son of Man um, will be in the heart of the heart of the earth or in the tomb. Um, that it doesn't mean necessarily three full days and three full nights. It could be a part of the day or part of the night. Um, and from a Jewish perspective, remember that the day starts in the evening, not in the morning, like you and I say. So technically, Friday started Thursday night. I think it's 6 p.m. is when the day starts. Um, and and so as you start looking at the different days, you know, um, the, the Friday view says that um, there's the, the crucifixion took place, um, that... that Part of the day is considered part of a full day. So he's in the grave part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday um, is one of the arguments. So there's a there's a lot of different theories to try to put it together. Good Friday is a traditional uh, church approach to the crucifixion and resurrection. Um, but there are scholars arguing on what a day it happened exactly. Yeah, but either way, we know from Scripture that it says three days. Yes, three days and three nights. And everything, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, we know that scripture is true. Okay, so and 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 if you consider, you know, you consider the reality. I mean, a half day is a portion of a day. I mean, like sure. if you know, if I saw you, if um, so, you're calling here on Thursday, uh, and I haven't, and and I the last time I talked to you was Monday. Um, we can count the different days and say, well, Monday, um, maybe technically I did talk to you, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday's four days, um, but. I could say I haven't talked to you in five days because I could be including Sunday. So, you know, a day, a, a part of the day is, uh, is a full day. And, and you're right. The ultimate, the ultimate essence is, is that the Bible said it happened. It, even though we don't, it's like Christmas. We don't know di- what day it happened. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. And that's kind of what I was talking kind of explained Good. to my wife. I mean, that, that made that made sense to me. That's kind of how I was, I was explaining to my wife. is like, hey, we're talking Friday. We, you know, even if you talk about, from a human perspective, hey, I, I did such and such, uh, and it was a Friday, then, you know, you count that day as a day, regardless of the yes. time of the day. So Correct. Yeah, that made sense. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, I don't have a copy of it on my desk here, um, but I think that um, 
The Case for the Resurrection by Lee Strobel actually has a chapter that deals with this. I was flipping through a, a friend of mine's um, PDF here. Uh, I'll, I'll keep looking at it um, after we hang up, but uh, um, I think he deals with it in that book. It's called The Case for the Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Lee Strobel's got some good books. Yes. Yep. Okay, so, what, else? Um, what else you got? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, um, second question is, um, we're, we go through a Bible study, and we're kind of going through, um, you know, how the anointing with oil, if a, if a member is sick, you know, anoint them with oil and such and such. And I always thought that oil, for the most part, always represents the Holy Spirit whenever it speaks of oil. Um, and so, the, you know, our Bible study, they're saying, well, it's not necessarily talking about the Holy Spirit here. It's actually just talking about oil. And then we start saying, well, what about the, the, the ten virgins, you know? Five had their oil in the lamp, five didn't. You know, so the oil represents, hey, they have the Holy Spirit, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, it was like, no, nah, they're not really talking about, you know, the Holy... It's, just, it's more like physical oil, like if it's dark outside, you want oil. And I'm just, it didn't settle right. I'm like, no, nah, I pretty sure that, for the most part, when the Bible speaks of oil, it's usually always representing of the Holy Spirit, right? The oil often does. Sometimes, I mean, again, you have, you have, when you approach the Bible, you know, you have, you have the text and what it says, and sometimes oil just means oil. That's true. So kind of both of what you're saying is true. Sometimes oil in the Bible just means oil, and yet at other times, Oil is representative. Um, it is it is representative of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Or you know there was there was an anointing with oil. There was oil in the temple. Um, you know if you you think back to even back in Leviticus chapter two, uh, where oil is is used um, and is described the special oil that's being used within the within the temple um, with the grain offerings. The um, it's it's the context of what we're reading is what's going to make the difference. So it would be it would just be necessary to look at the text and say, well, wait a minute, you know, oil often symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Will it fit within the context of what's being said here? Yeah, you know. Yeah. He, but within those um, two those two passages, I was speaking of. Do you think that's kind of the Holy Spirit anointing someone who's sick with oil and conversions? Yeah, but but and so I had just had this conversation. So the the virgins, you know, the oil is very very uh, the the presence, you know, the the ten virgins, the five wise and five foolish. Oil is very powerful picture in that particular in that particular parable. Very important, and and you know, I think of Jesus when he said in Luke chapter four that the spirit of the Lord, um, or that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. You know, the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. Uh, and so anoint, what do you anoint within the Bible? With oil. And that's where you start to point to, you point together to build the argument of how anointing and the Spirit of God are connected. And same with the, I was just talking to a brother after service. When we anoint people with oil, according to the scriptures, the oil that we use is just oil. But in, in obedience to the, to the instruction in James, we anoint with oil, uh, asking for the Holy Spirit to to do the work of healing in the person's life. Uh, and it's symbolic. It's a picture. It, it's still oil, but it's a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit of healing in someone's life. So yes, I think oil in those, both of those examples is representative 
it's still just oil. So that's the first sure. interpretation. It's just oil, but then the then the 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 meaning and drawing out application. One of the applications can certainly begin to lead us on learning about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, symbolic. It's not like you know, it's, it's special oil in this bottle, and with this, you're going to, you know, it's nothing to do with the oil itself because, like you said, oil is oil. But it's the representation. Absolutely. That's right. Hey, got to go. We're at thirty seconds on the break. Thanks, man. Okay. Thanks so much, Pastor. Bye, bye. Hey, we'll be right back. This is. Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and questions. Uh, We've got a couple lines open, so give me a call if you have a Bible question. 303-690-3000. Mike and Eaton, you'll be next. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half and the only half, another the only or the last half, I should say, of today's program. Uh, thank you for your call. Thank you for connecting with us. Uh, we are uh, grateful that you are here. Again, welcome everyone that's listening from around the country. Uh, you guys on Hope FM, New Jersey, Maryland, Philadelphia. Uh, and you guys in Baltimore, don't forget, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of great churches in town you know, on, that, on the East Coast, but my buddy Josh uh, had mentioned to me that, uh, you guys, that, that I had mentioned the church plant that he has, and that some of you uh, actually reached out to him. So praise the Lord. I'm glad you're listening in Baltimore. And uh, he is um, pastoring a church. It is Haven City Church, and the website is baltimorechurch.com, baltimorechurch.com. And there's a lot of great churches uh, in the area. Uh, You can go to calvarychapel.com. There's a church finder there, and I believe there is another church finder on calvarycca.com, calvarycca.com, and that is the Calvary Association. Uh, Okay, so it's not calvarycca.com because I just put that up, so let me find it. It's calvarycca, probably .org. Let's see. Yes, there's a church finder there. The Calvary Chapel Association has a website, uh, and you can find churches there. You can also find churches at calvarychapel.com. Also, you guys listening on Truth FM, Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you're listening now on Grace FM, you're listening live on Grace FM. Uh, so that means you're listening on the radio and it's a live broadcast. But those of you listening on Hope and Truth FM, you're listening to the broadcast a aired a week later. It's a week later. Uh, and... Even though it's a week later, you can call during the show, and uh, we'll talk live, but you just won't hear it on the air for another week. I want to let you guys know a couple apps that you should download. Of course, the first one I'm going to recommend is our own church app here at calvaryaurora.org. That's C-A-L-V-A-R-Y-A-U-R-O-R-A.org. It has all the information related to our church here, our radio station, uh, Grace FM also has a, um, if you just put Calvary Space Aurora in the search engine, 
of your app store. Uh, both of our apps will come up, Grace FM and our church app. All kinds of information there. They've upgraded the apps too recently where you can search by keyword, uh, which is really good. It's going to make us have to go back and put some keywords associated with our Bible studies uh, on the topics. But the titles and such really help. And then uh, also, Pastor Chuck Smith, most of his library has been put in an app. The app is The Word for Today. The Word for Today. It's free. And you guys are so spoiled because we used to have to listen by tapes and when we were in Bible college, we had to buy those tapes of $1 each. So I think there were 360-something or 330. We had to buy those tapes for a buck apiece. And, and we did, listening to them one by one. But now you can do it on your phone. And I've been listening to, there's a segment of the most requested uh, messages, powerful message on faith and hope uh, in that collection. And he has a lot of topical messages that he taught on Sunday mornings. And of course... The through the Bible that we've all listened to as Calvary pastors uh, is on there, and all kinds of stuff. K. Smith, there's ministry, there's servanthood, there's uh, unbelievable the resources that they're making available for free. Get to, get it now. Uh, the word for today. Download that app. Let's move on to Mike, uh, who's been waiting patiently line one in Eaton, Colorado. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Got it. Got a quick question for you, something that's kind of confused me and my wife. We've heard preaching that has said to be tempted isn't a sin. Yes. It's only when you act on that tempt, that temptation, Correct. that it becomes a sin. Yes. So how does that compare or relate to the section in the Bible where it says to even lust after a woman, like for a man to lust after a woman in his mind or whatever, is the same as committing adultery? No, that's a great question. Let, let's talk. Let's think that through for a minute. So, there, would you agree that there's a difference between the temptation to lust and lust itself? Um, see, I don't. What? What is? How do you define lust? What is the actual definition? Because I struggle with that. Even like, what's the actual definition of lust? Well, I mean, in a very simple way, um, I'll look up real quick. Let's just look up an English definition real quick and see. Uh, an English definition would be very strong sexual desire, a passionate desire for something. Okay. And and so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna propose to you biblically that there is a difference between the temptation to do something and actually doing it. For okay. example, if temptation equals sin, then Jesus would be a sinner, because according to the Bible. He has been tempted in all ways like man, but without sin. That's what the Bible Bible makes that distinction. We even yeah. see him being led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to what? Be tempted by the devil. Yep. And okay. very strong temptations. And and so back to your question of drawing the line, um, that's an in, that's a personal that's gonna be a personal thing. Um I, and I think the person that you're you know, like you you know personally in your life the difference between a temptation of lust and true lust in your life. You know it. I, I, it would be hard for me to describe it for you, although I probably could if we sat down. You know, we could talk through it. But but there's a distinction uh, between the the invitation towards sin and actually acting on that invitation. Okay. And that's throughout the scriptures. You know, even James describes it. Um, he describes it where. Uh, let me, it's in, I was looking for it before I 
hit the call. So in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, um, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And and so I saw in the original, um, in the original, or at least this call screen here, he talked about um, the a message you heard on homosexuality and the idea of of temptation doesn't necessarily equal sin. I think it's yeah. true across the board. Okay. Okay that that helps. Yeah, I never brought it back, but just the fact that you actually brought it back to Christ being tempted, I never actually thought of that way, so that actually helps quite a bit, so. Yeah, it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like fishing, I guess. Let's just use a really crude example. I can throw a, I could throw a hook into the water with a worm on it, and, and it, it's only going to, to entice the fish. Uh, it's only going to invite the fish. The fish might even think about eating that worm, but resisting it, it's not going to get him until he does it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know that's okay. kind of a simple illustration, but it's, that, that, that's really sin. And yeah, sin can happen. Paul, Jesus was really bringing out the significance of sin can happen in the heart. So it's not just the act like outwardly, but he was saying sexual sin is a heart issue, as is so much of our sin, uh, where we can steal in our heart, we can murder in our heart, we can like that. So, so it's not even the fact that, um, you know, he was drawing out that even with sexual sin, it's not just the act, it could be in the head, it could be in the heart. Um, and so that point's not lost. I mean, temptation yeah. can quickly become sin, even if you don't act on it outwardly. Yes, okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, now that you say it, I just, I just, I've heard the two <laughs> put, and I'm like, gosh, I just don't understand the difference between being tempted and lusting, you know, and it's like lusting's not actually the act, you know, so isn't if someone's being tempted, if if a gay guy's being tempted to act on his, you know, his thought, like, gosh, I just want to be with that other guy, is that not the same as a straight guy lusting after a woman? That's where I... Well, well even come back, though, what you just said, I, I, I wouldn't fully agree with. I mean, I don't agree with it all. Lusting is the act. Yeah. Oh, okay. Lusting is an act. It is a sinful act. Uh, just an act that, in your mind, basically. Yes. Yeah, and, okay. and so the idea, you know, what we're dealing with in the realm of homosexuality and even in heterosexuality is attraction. Attraction yeah. isn't necessarily sin. True. To be okay. attracted yeah. or to admire something. And, you know, that's where it starts, of course. But wrestling with the, the reality of a broken mind, you know, we all have broken minds. So we have different attractions, different lures, different things that pay. So at that level, I think is the distinction. I know when I taught through, there's a distinction there that we're just too quick to not, we can be so quick to dump everyone into one large bucket without taking the nuance and the simplicity of individual. You know, that's what, that's what the Pharisees were trying to do with Jesus. They threw a woman in front of him that was caught in the midst of adultery and said, do what you should because she's part of the big bucket of sexual sin. She's guilty. Not even is she part of the big bucket, but she was caught in the very act. I mean, they were so manipulative because they didn't bring the guy with him. It wasn't, they didn't bring the guy (laughs) that they caught. 
Um, exactly. And, and Jesus gives us such a great re- example not to be quick to condemn um, without without walking through a, a journey with someone and, and valuing them as a person and and valuing the reality of, you know, this poor gal got caught up. She was guilty. This wasn't even an issue of whether she was guilty or not. Um, and yet there was a bigger thing going on there because there was something in her that didn't want to live this life while the the the, the perverse men that caught that did this to her had had more sin in her in their hearts than she did. Yeah. And um and so I think that what God is trying to teach us in this crazy, like the earlier, even the earlier caller, you know, is in this crazy upside down culture is how do we present the gospel? Because the gospel is truth and it teaches against sexual sin of all kinds. Um, no equivocation. That's crystal clear. Um, there, um, I'm not advocating that we make special allowances for special groups of people. The Bible doesn't do that. However, yeah. I am advocating walking in love with people and acknowledging that sin has broken them just like it broke us and we need to handle people prayerfully and carefully um and 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 be sensitive to the reality of their brokenness and how they're trapped and and i think the distinction of temptation and sin is a great one to talk to people about because people beat themselves up and condemn themselves because they're tempted all the time when actually if they look carefully in their life, and I'm sure if you look carefully in your life when it comes to this topic of lust, you'll see more victory in this area than you see failure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, because you you've know, resisted reminds, temptation. Yeah. And it's cool what you just said. It just reminds me of a verse I saw where a saying that Billy Graham said in one of his books where he said, um, it's God's job to judge, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's our job to love. I I saw that quote a lot. I was I appreciated that when I saw it on social media. It was really good. So well, I appreciate, man. I appreciate everything you do on the radio. We love listening to you, buddy. And I I just thank you for answering this question. It makes a lot more sense now. So you're welcome. It was a good one. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thanks, Pastor Ed. All right. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Ben is next in Firestone, Colorado. Ben, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um. I just wanted to get your insight on this. About a month ago, during church, um, the last worship song was playing, and I just started weeping. And I have no yes. idea why. Like, I wasn't, like, really happy or really sad. I just started weeping. So I went to my—I walked out, and I went to my car, and then I just thinking, what's happening? So I walked back in service, and then I just started weeping again. And I just <laughs> want to know what your insight is on this. Well, I— let me ask you this. Don't tell me the name of your church or anything, but but are you in okay. a church that that is are you in a Pentecostal church or like in a more conservative church? You know, it's I I don't know what it, what I consider it. It used to be considered Baptist, but they just took the name off, but it's a Okay. So uh, probably more of a conservative type church? Yeah, actually, yeah, that's probably fair to say. Yeah. And are you a church Baptist, that believes but... in the would you guys consider the fellowship a church that believes in all the gifts of the spirit? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's, Including it tongues, a, interpretation of tongues, that type of thing? Um, I, I'm pretty sure I haven't like looked a lot into that, but uh, I would think so. Um, so so le- the reason I'm asking the reason I'm asking is typically non charismatic, non Pentecostal conservative churches really downplay the role of emotion 
in relationship to God. Not I'm being general, so you know if there's other conservatives, gotcha. don't. I'm, I'm just being in general that they downplay. So you don't have a platform. Um, you don't have a platform really of of invitation to be emotional during worship. Um, and so when it happens, it's surprising. Um, yeah. Like you, you're experiencing it. It's kind of a surprise because you haven't experienced it. You didn't see somebody next to you crying before, and and you're processing this in light of what in the world was it? Um, and and what I believe it was was God really ministering to you in your emotions. Um, just just really, I, I I can I can speak for myself. You know, for many years I wouldn't consider myself hyper emotional, and and I don't even mean that in a bad way. Just you know, I'm a pretty conservative guy. I'm, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I haven't been really super emotional until my son passed away, and then God changed something inside of me, and so worship has changed in my heart. Worship in song, you know, because all the parts of the service is worship, giving, song, Bible study. It's all worship, and 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 what I've, what I think has happened besides God cutting a new channel directly to the, to my emotions is. I'm open for God to minister to my emotions because I've been so desperate for his comfort and his healing where it's changed my approach to God to say, God, I realize that I am body, soul, and spirit. And and I have to say that there have been times in my Christian life where I've really just wanted God to deal with my mind. I just want him to deal. I've always wanted him just to, to teach me something, that I could learn something, not necessarily feel something. But that's all changed. I want all of it. I want the mind. I want the spirit. I want the soul. I want to learn something. I want to feel something. I I desire to enter into God in my whole being. And I think that, that that's what's happening with you. God touched you in a part that hasn't been touched before. And and you were just like, wow, this is surprising and sh- maybe even shocking. But it's also very sweet. Okay. That's my guess. Okay. okay. I mean, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely caught me off guard. And I don't try to hold my tears in, but I just don't cry that often. But that just, yeah, it's very is there something? Is there something going on in your life that would make you more receptive to an emotional response? Like, are you going through a trial or, you know, or some sadness or something that, that maybe changed a little bit of your openness in this area um yes but i haven't i haven't i mean it's been a um this semester it's been a trial some semester but i've seen a lot of yeah. um, growth too but just when it sure. happened i wasn't even thinking about anything right. it was just just the song and i wasn't even paying a whole lot of attention to the song i was just like i don't even know how to explain it it was just it was really weird but it felt good Yes, and and God does, and so I would I would conclude because you know things have a way you know hard year or some some challenges. They God's always at work in our lives, whether we acknowledge it or not. He's always ministering to us, always speaking to us. He lives inside of us, so God is always working. And you know when you go through some seasons of challenge, some of your defenses get worn down. And and I'm not even speaking like outwardly, like you're not even thinking this way. You're not, oh, I think uh, 10% of my defenses were down today. It's just God deepening his relationship with you. He's going deeper with you. And and now what he struck was a reservoir of emotion that's been inside of you all this time. It's not like you were a different person. 
God is developing a new part of you that and, and revealing it to you and saying, come to me, son, express yourself in, in tears. You know, how many times the Bible speaks of uh, David having, crying himself to sleep and tears on his on his pillow, and and now you have an experience where you offered up to God your tears, and he takes all of our tears and he puts them in a bottle. I mean, it's just, it's glorious to be able to respond to God emotionally without being out of control. You know, I don't think we need to, to, to hang on the lights and scream and yell and run up to the stage and say, thank you, uh, worship team, because I'm going to, it's, it's like, it's a personal, it, it's amazing how you can have this personal experience in a room filled with so many other people and the Lord's just ministering to you like you were the only one in the room. Okay. And I can say for me as a pastor lately, uh, I've really been inviting our church family to open themselves up to an emotional experience uh, with God, that it's okay, giving them permission to experience what you experience, giving them permission to express themselves, not in a disorderly way and not uh, you know in confusion, um, but simply as a surrendered son and daughter. And and I think sometimes people hold things back uh, on purpose because they think they're in church and the right thing to be in church is to dress this way and sit this way and stand this way. And and I'm like, who said that? Whoever told us that that was the right way? Like, who said that exactly? And I, I like to create an atmosphere. I want, I, wanna, I want to create an atmosphere in an empty room that fills with people of the very presence of God. And the way to do that is to acknowledge him because he's already there. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all that. No, I think it's, I, I'm really, I'm really happy for you. I think there's a new season of, of depth that God has for you that he revealed to you that, Hey, I can touch you anywhere at any time. Let me give you an example. Uh, years ago when, when our church was just beginning, um, and I, I experienced, uh, one of the guys that I served with experienced a terrible tragedy. Uh, he came to my house, knocked on the door, told me something very devastating happened in his family. Uh, and then the next few days I walked with it, with him, you know, day and night. Um, we went through the difficulties and then by the time I got to church on Sunday morning, uh, I thought I was okay. Um, I thought everything was going to be fine. I had two services to do back then and, uh, I, I came to church ready to serve. Um, I was a little tired, but but other than that, I, I thought it was okay. And when I came into the pulpit, I I completely lost it. Con- I started convulsively weeping and crying. It just hit me. I'm here with the family of God. I'm I'm just I was just so overwhelmed that the the elders had to get me and walk me into it. We had a little closet there. Walk me in. Uh, and, and they didn't even know what would happen. It wasn't a public thing. Nobody knew why, what, what, what was wrong with Ed and the emotion of sorrow and sadness for my friend and for his family and for our church was just overwhelming. And it hit me right when I'm supposed to start teaching. And then, and then God just really comforted me in that little closet and reminded me that I'm there for the people and not for myself. And I was able to go out and teach again, but you just never know when emotion's going to hit you. you. That that's the point. You just don't know, and it's okay to be an emotional person. God made you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I think I appreciate it, Pastor Ed, and um, appreciate you doing this uh, talk show. And it's great hearing from other people and from you, and great to be a part of the body. 
Okay, Ben. Thanks, brother. You bet. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, let's go right to line number three. Natasha's been waiting. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Pastor. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I have a prayer request, please, for my husband. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, tomorrow morning, he's going in for a PET scan. Um, okay. He, about a year ago, I'm sorry. About That's a year okay. ago in May, he was diagnosed with a very rare type of sarcoma. And okay. um, we've been battling this. We have a 21-month-old. Um, he had two clear PET scans, so the doctor let him get off his medication. He's on an oral type of targeted therapy uh, for this treatment, and that's the only treatment that there is for this type of cancer. And it's not even guaranteed because this medication has only been out for about a year and a half. Well, anyway, um, he was off the medication for about seven weeks because the doctor wanted him to be off of it for three months before we could try to have another baby. And then the tumors came back. The tumors came back after two clear PET scans. So now he's back on the medication, and it's been a couple months, and he's feeling a lot better. Um, he's got energy, and we just have an, our, our next PET scan, the first PET scan since he got back on the medication after the tumors came back, is tomorrow. And I just okay. would like, um, we find out on Monday, we have a meeting with the oncologist, the results of the PET scan. I would just like um, prayer, please, that this, Let's do that, that. We, for good results. <laughs> What's his name? His name is Luke. Oh, let's do that right now. God, we bring Luke before you and and this um, cancer scare and and how, God, it just brings everything into perspective uh, when we fight the battle against cancer. And so I pray for Luke that the PET scan would be clear, that the cancer has been gone. I I rejoice as I think of Luke with, um, with Bill who had a serious diagnosis of a large tumor in his pancreas, who is now clean. All of his, all of his scans have come back clean. Uh, he is healed, and we are excited. And that's the same thing we pray for the testimony in Luke's life. And even as his wife brings her husband before the throne room of grace, we, we join her and ask God that you would um, be with them as they take the test. And we look forward to hearing that the tests were clean in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Let us know, would you? Uh, yeah, I will. I'll, okay. I'll let you know. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's see, we might be able to handle part of this question uh, from Baltimore, Maryland. Ven is on the air. Ven, we've got like a minute and a half or so, so what's your most important question you want to ask? Uh, hmm. It's both of them going to have to answer on the, on, on the air because I don't want that to be a thumb block for some yeah, I don't have the opportunity to answer today off the air. So, um, is there anything else since you're on the air? Do you want anything else you want to ask? Or do you have a prayer request before we yeah. head off and sign off? Just prayer request for God's creation in general. Okay, well, God, I pray um, for God for your creation. You know, specifically for people. Uh, you created people, God, and and so many are not living in a relationship with you. Uh, so many are living apart from you, uh, and I just pray, God, that you would use us in the power of your Holy Spirit 
to evangelize in a way that's kind and gentle and yet truthful, that we'd be able to show how the truth of your word is clear that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we have all lived an imperfect life, that the sentence on our life was the death of your own son, Jesus Christ. And God, we want to thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for all of sinful humanity, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And as we head out into the rest of our evening and different opportunities that you present to us, we pray for the faithfulness of your word to go forth, that you would have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Call back next time, Vin. Uh, We'll get you on the air and try to work through your questions, but um, I would pick just one of them um, so that we could focus on them. Thanks for joining me today. We'll be back in the book of Hebrews at Calvary Aurora this week. Uh, We had a glorious Easter service, great baptism last night, Um, but pray for your pastor because the weekend after Easter is traditionally the lowest attended service, and compared to Easter, a lot of guys get discouraged, a lot of guys get beat up after Easter, Uh, and so would you pray for your pastor, and as you're driving through town, pray for pastors in all the churches that you drive by. You see so many, and those that are clinging to the Word of God, those that are faithful to the Word, pray for them. They're doing a work in your city, and praise God that we have a unity in the Spirit. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you and being a part of your life. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.